You're listening to From the Field, a podcast helping ministry leaders think differently, thrive personally, and lead thoughtfully. Welcome to From the Field. My name is Ryan Hughley. I'm lead pastor of Ridgeline Church in Salt Lake City, Utah, and the founder of Telio, a care and formation ministry for pastors. My name is Tyler Dravitz. I'm the executive pastor at Ridgeline, and I also lead a company called MyXP, where we provide remote executive pastor support to churches around the country. Learn more at myxp.church. All right, we're going to switch it up. We're going to start. We're going to talk today about frustrating leaders. Okay. Specifically, what it's like to work with frustrating leaders. I did that thing again where I'm like, yeah, whoa, whoa, you what? always respond as though you're learning everything in the moment. I'm not sure how I should respond because I already you know could go, it. yes, we are. Oh, okay. More like agreement. Yes, than- we are. <laughs> I, I'm trying to be an active listener. Yeah, but I, I know what we're doing. Yeah. So it's I'm not. Weird. I'm not actually setting it up for you. That's true. But be, but our listeners this, cannot respond. Believe it or not, this is not really about you or for you. Oh, I know well, that that's hard. To, I'm out. Okay, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so because we're going to talk about like what what makes for frustrating leadership, and I was thinking about your uh, one of your chief in- interests, which is The Office. Mm-hmm. Show The Office. Uh, just a little known fact, I have not watched it one time during COVID. Don't At why. any point during COVID. I just COVID. Needed, a, needed a pause. After the I, 25 times you watched it prior to that. I think I've seen the entire series upwards of 40 times for sure. That's I don't think that's an exaggeration. All right. Well, then this, anyway. this I don't know if that's going to make it easier or harder for you to answer this. Here's oh, the I, opening question. What is the most cringy Michael Scott moment for you? Yeah, I, th- I was trying to think about it. There's so many, but I have to say the entire episode of Diversity Day. That's what I was going to say. No way. Yes, the kookie kookie. Specifically, exactly. when and Mindy I, Kaling hits it. I even had some internal dialogue. <laughs> what, like, should I share like, that as an example? And even do the voice and stuff because it feels offensive to even replicate, which interestingly enough is why he's doing Diversity Day because he did a Chris Rock joke <laughs> doing the voice. So then I decided probably not and I would just say Diversity Day and you either know or don't know. Yep. But the whole episode is just wildly offensive. And just so uncomfortable to watch. Yeah. Even more now than when it first came out. Sure. I mean, I've seen Michael Scott in interviews because, you know, the... the the Chris, Steve Carell? Or, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not yeah. Michael Scott, yeah. But, you know, sort of the, like in vogue thing to do right now is just to reboot everything. Uh-huh. No one's got many original ideas, yeah. but I'm thrilled with all the reboots. I'm waiting on Dawson's Creek, you know, <laughs> some things like that. Uh, I was going to, for Zach, I was going to say Golden Girls. They've all passed away now. Yeah, they're so all gone. I'm going to be waiting a long, long time. Long time, heaven. However, he's been asked, you know, would he be interested? Would he participate? And he has like a very firm no mm-hmm. for the exclusive reason of couldn't he couldn't it. be that character today. No way. I mean, it would not you like it yeah you couldn't he'd be canceled before they were out of the intro <laughs> right oh yeah. for sure so anyway <laughs> all right so that that and uh also i've been thinking of the the vasectomy interaction oh, that he has step, step, with step, jan the yeah, snip snap yeah. i sent that clip to my dad last night because he's mm-hmm. never seen it before he thought it was so funny <laughs> Oh, it's just perfect. <laughs> Do you have any idea the mental toll it takes on a person to have three vasectomies? <laughs> I don't. Uh, on that note. So today we're going to talk about 
five signs you're a frustrating leader. Okay. <laughs> I did it again. Yeah, you did. You can't help yourself. And here, here's why we're going to talk about this. Uh, lots of people are in vocational transition. We've talked about that quite a bit. And mm-hmm. ministry leaders are a part of this as well. Yeah. So what that means is there's a lot of people who are looking for new positions um, in a new place. Totally. So even if they, like we've been doing a series on burnout, there are a lot of people leaving ministry, but even those who are not leaving are potentially looking at just wanting to go do ministry somewhere else. Totally. And, uh, and so we've all become through this. And I think this is a huge part of this, like great resignation that we keep hearing so much about people are becoming far more discerning regarding what they want their work to look like. And so if you are a frustrating leader, you're going to have a very hard time finding people. Yeah, right. absolutely. Or, I mean, you might find them because maybe you're like a good salesman, but they won't stay long. No, which, and then, you know, coming to the second point, which is that there, as we've talked about, there's this sea of burned out ministry staffers that are hanging by a thread. And so we owe it to them to lead well. And I think the longer that life goes on, the more those people are going to quit if, you are very, even if you are a great leader, you're yeah. going to have a hard time hanging on to people right now. So if you're a frustrating one, you can pretty much guarantee that the clock's ticking. Yeah. And I think that if you're listening and you feel like, ah, no way, my staff is like in it to win it. If no you have not pushed on them and really like had some thorough conversations in multiple settings to know the answer to that question, I'm here to tell you they might be looking for another job. I've had, even in the last couple of weeks, uh, pastors that have been blown away by people they would have guessed would never leave. Long time people. Yeah, choose to leave and just, and some of it is like, you know, whether or not the person's being honest, it's more like just starting a new chapter and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm just here to tell you, when you love what you do and you love who you work for, there's no need for a new chapter. Mm-hmm. We've been writing this chapter a long time yeah. and it's still going all right. Yep. So I was anyway. just on that note. I was just listening to uh, the This American Life podcast on yeah. the way back over here. And uh, this one is about <clears throat> the education system post-COVID and how, like, basically the question being, like, is is public school forever changed because of what's happened? Interesting. And one of the people... Like, this, how so? How has it been changed? I don't know any... I don't well, in that there are still... Care, well, so I mean, like, you know, I mean, some schools, like, their classrooms were closed for... I mean, well over a year, like kids missed an entire year, but they were talking with, and then even as schools are open, like they interviewed one principal who 20 at, on the day of the recording, 25% of their teachers were out sick. It was during the Omicron surge. Oh yeah. So just, so it's causing there to be more questions about like, can we ever get, kids have been so, I mean, it's the same thing we've seen with church attendance. Like kids have been so altered after so long of not having the regularity of what was quote unquote normal school sure that they're just starting to have, there's more and more conversation about like, do we need to change this whole thing? My point going to what you were saying, it's all right. Yeah. Is, uh, is that she interviewed, I think this was in the state of New York. She interviewed the guy who in 2020 won the teacher of the year award. Mm. And in 2021 he resigned (laughs) because he just feels like, because he just doesn't want to yeah, do it anymore. Of course. So he went from winning an award for being the top in his field yeah. to quitting and being done. And yeah. he explained why. And he was just like, yeah, I just don't want to do this anymore. I don't think that the way that we're doing it works anymore. Yeah. And it's so, anyways, <clears throat> it's, wow. it's just an everything. So today we're going to focus our attention on five signs that you're a frustrating leader. Okay. So we, we talked through um, our own experiences prior to being... Um, 
like, I mean, I was a worship pastor. We, we were both worked in a couple different churches yeah. before planting. And so we have our own experiencing uh, experiences with frustrating leaders. Yeah. And then also, you know, both have a lot of relationship with sure. pastors. And so, and that's all I do all week long. That's all you do all week long is, <laughs> is talk to pastors. Yeah. God help you. And so we've got these five things that continue to surface as we talked. So the goal today would be for everyone listening to listen in and to to try to really be honest about, is there any of this in me, in my mm-hmm. leadership? Yeah. So the first one is, and this I think is just the most obvious one that's a deal breaker, is that you lead from a place of dominance. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's been more and more stories, especially over the last few years. There's always been the big stories in uh, evangelicalism of, you know, big megachurch pastors falling because of some sort of like sexual immorality or something like that. Interestingly, in the last few years, there's been a lot more disqualification that's taken place because of abuse of power and being a domineering leader. And so if you are harsh with people, if you are explosive in anger, and if you're, maybe you're not that, but you're manipulative. Mm-hmm. All of that is a form of just dominating and forcing people essentially to do what you want them to do against their will. I think anyone that leads like, we don't we probably won't even spend a ton of time on this because that's just so obviously a problem, Sure, but is more common than what a lot of people probably think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if, uh, if there's something exciting to you about people feeling uh, anxious when you walk into the room or something like that, um, I think on one end, it's okay for people to have like a healthy respect for like, you're the leader, you're the bot, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. If you are somewhat, I mean, even in people that I've led through the years, there's a sense of like one of the things that I'm really big on is accountability. And like, did you do what you said you would do? And if not, we're going to probably talk and that mm-hmm. we're definitely going to talk about yeah. it and that type of thing. So we're not talking about that, but it's genuinely um, like, I, I don't know, I, I genuinely can't think of a time of like yelling at people. Mm-hmm. I really can't or things like, and so if, if that's how you get things done, you really need to get some help. But I think that the question that you asked is a good one or you didn't phrase it as a question, but I will asking yourself like, is there do, is there anything in me that wants people walking on eggshells in my presence? Sure. If there is any part, then regardless of whether or not everyone in your life would say, well, you are a domineering leader. The seed of it is for sure there. If you want people on eggshells, there is something about that that I just think is really unhelpful, like unhealthy. We should want people, um, like I think to want to have a culture of mutual respect and honor all around. Definitely. That's biblical. But to want to, to want people to feel uneasy in your presence is a special kind of weird. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, the next one is you lead from a place of self. Mm. Uh, by this I mean, and there's uh, a handful of examples, I'm sure everyone listening can think of more, but uh, number one, your time, or you believe your yeah. time is more important than everyone else's. And maybe you're not willing to like profess that, but mm-hmm. a couple of like indicators. Mm-hmm. Um, do you cancel meetings at last minute? Uh, do you not show up for meetings at all? Mm-hmm. Um uh, are you always the priority when it comes to things like benefits or perks or yeah. time off or raises or bonuses or things like, like, do you start with yourself? Cause the reality is if you lead people, it's your job to advocate for them, not to make sure that you're taken care of. And mm-hmm. so I think, um, you know, just making sure that you're not, you know, habitually late, you mm-hmm. know, 10, 20, 15 
I could keep just counting mm-hmm. by fives, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, for some <laughs> reason, good. I ran out when I got to... You got stuck there? I, well, I went 10, 20, 15, and <laughs> I confused myself. Backwards. Regardless. Um, and I think that that's something that, unfortunately, I I just know for a fact lots of pastors do because you believe, man, what I'm doing is the Lord's work. Mm-hmm. And, and whether it's that you got lost in your study, whether it's that you were in a meeting with people, but re- regardless of what keeps you, like, that's it's just disrespectful. Mm -hmm. And so making sure that, you know, you're leading, you know, the idea of a servant leader that you uh, like are the one that comes in last, that your Mm -hmm. preferences and needs are not the ones that are met. Let Mm -hmm. other people stand up to take care of you as Mm -hmm. you take care of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And at the risk of sounding too pastoral and using a biblical example, I was working on a devotional yesterday for Holy Week Uh and I was um, writing one out of, um, the Holy Thursday when Jesus is getting ready to celebrate the Passover with his disciples and he washes their feet mm-hmm. and then goes into an explanation. Just thinking about, <clears throat> first of all, what it must have been like to be the disciples in that room with him. Sure. As that was typically the function of a servant. They come in. There's no servant doing it. Yeah. But nobody picks up the towel. Everybody lays down at the table. And then the awkwardness of when Jesus stands up, takes off his outer garment, puts a towel around his waist and then proceeds to wash their feet. Just Mm. how much embarrassment there must have been in that moment. But then as he explains why he did that, he did it as an example of service. Mm -hmm. And it's really easy to say, well, I serve through leading. I serve through teaching. Mm -hmm. Cool. Jesus, the Messiah, served through foot washing. So I think really thinking through the degree to which we are able to pour ourselves out in sacrificial service is really, really healthy. And it, it does come down to things like, you know, not regardless of can, like don't be late to meetings, you know, or at least notify people. And if it's a pattern of your all, then like think about margin, get better with a calendar, whatever needs to happen. But there is just this, especially with time. I think that's such a great example of like, all of my time, everything I do is the most important, and everyone can flex to that. Right. That's a problem. Yeah, absolutely. So a third one would be, you lead from a place of misery. And I, you can speak into this pretty quick, because I know that this comes from, this came out of, we were talking about a Larry Osborne quote that we've mm-hmm. heard him say a number of times it's, that is helpful. But <clears throat> there are, there is... Um, I'll say one one reason I don't always love hanging out with pastors mm-hmm. um, is that there oftentimes is this just real it because it's admittedly as we've we just spent five weeks talking about the difficulties of being in ministry, especially right now. Mm-hmm. and uh, and it can there are days definitely that feel miserable. And so sometimes, uh, pastors or leaders carry that in a way where they are just miserable to be around because of the weight of the job. But talk a little bit about the Larry Osborne quote, and then we can expound on that a little bit more. Yeah, we've had the opportunity to participate in the Sticky Teams Conference a few times. They've changed the name. It's, I think, just like North Coast Leadership Conference or something like mm-hmm. that. Uh, but regardless... Sticky is just a gross word. Well, it is a gross word, and I wonder if like maybe an old publisher owns that term or what, because yeah. it's sort of like stricken from yeah. all of their stuff, so maybe it's not there. Anyway, doesn't matter. Uh, but he was just talking uh, during one of his sessions, and, and the way he does, kind of flipping everything you believe about about 
the world on its head. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, he was talking about the fact that, you know, like, you know, he just knows so many pastors that talk about what a hard job it is. And he says, you know, as I sit around, even my elder table, he was talking, mm-hmm. he's like, you know, I have got, you know, people that are like real hard, like work and sweat all day long, blue collar workers. Mm-hmm. I've got a guy who like is retired. Like he's like a war veteran mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. And to look at these guys and mm-hmm. talk about how hard my job is mm-hmm. because somebody sent me a mean email. Mm-hmm. He's like, it's just not that hard. Yeah. And I think that, uh, you know, uh, you know, I'm sure you have some thoughts around like, you know, kind of, you feel conflicted about that statement, mm-hmm. but in general, I think the sentiment is good. It is that that. Uh, so on one end, everyone has their own personal hell, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm a big believer that, like, regardless of what is the worst thing you've gone through, mm-hmm. it's the worst that you know, mm-hmm. and so maybe suffering you lead is subjective a life. to yes, your experience, exactly. Yeah. And maybe you lead a life where, like, a mean email has like the worst it is for you, and so that's what feels the worst. Yeah. Um, and at least have the ability to kind of step outside of yourself, survey what else is going on in people's lives and situations, and recognize maybe just from a comparative standpoint, others might have it at least as hard, if not objectively harder. Yeah, yeah. And I do, I, I, think, I think there's something appropriately sobering about that sentiment. The one thing I would say just to be that I, that I try to be careful of in my own thinking is it is, I mean, we've just spent so much time talking about it. Like it is, it is ad- admittedly hard. Yeah. It's difficult. It's not, it's not hard in the same way. You know, like I don't have the same level of like, you know, if you are a soldier right now that's mm-hmm. deployed overseas in the midst of combat, your fear of death that day is admittedly significantly different than mine. I don't mm-hmm. have fear of that. But there are things that are very, very difficult about ministry. I think my the only thing I would add to that quote is that like so often comparison is unhelpful. Yeah, I think that the comparison is helpful to raise self awareness. Like, sure. if you walk or like if you're sitting at that table and you have like a war vet who lost friends in yeah. combat, and you've got you know a blue blue collar worker who's working like eighty hours a week, sweating in the sun all like if you have that and you're like oh, it's just it was so hard today. You're like, really, you sat in the air conditioning and read books and, you know, and to your point, as to use your example, you got a mean email, like, all right, well, that sucks. It does, that doesn't feel good for sure, but it's not these other things. So like read the room, yeah, <laughs> basically. For sure. I think my point would be, is that it's not that ministry is not hard. It is, but that's not the whole story. It's not, ministry is not only hard. And I think when, when, when leaders lead from a place of ministry, they lead as if ministry is only miserable. And I would say, if you feel like your job is only miserable, then Mm -hmm. for the love of God and for the good of your church, quit. Quit or change it. Yeah, like make it better or change your attitude or your perspective or something. Because if it's only miserable all the time, something is not right. Yeah. Because even if it's like, even if you feel like, oh my goodness, one more of these meetings where somebody blows me up, I don't know, don't take that meeting. Right. Just say like, be blessed and be gone. Or I mean, there are lots of things that can be done to change 
the circumstances that you're in. Yep. Um, and I get that not always. We've talked mm-hmm. about that. Maybe you have a leadership team, like, uh, you know, and everything is kind of a forcing thing as yep. far as, like, either do this or you're fired. Well, then just quit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, and not to hop back, but you just, you had made this comment that I, I just want to call out. You had said, uh, you know, you know, some people use the term, I, I, lead or I serve by leading. Mm-hmm. I got to tell you, run from those people mm-hmm. real fast. I know, I know where that quote is from. Mm-hmm. I've been on a team with leaders who said that and, mm-hmm. um, they, I didn't feel well served even as they led. So, uh, what that usually means is they're going to watch you. suck you. at that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what that means is they're going to watch you set up and tear down everything right. because they're leading. Yeah. So, uh, anyway. Yeah, that's good. Go ahead. What's our next one? Yeah. The next one is you really, you lead from a place of inconsideration. Mm. And uh, I think that there are, um, as you make asks, these people work for you. uh, Mm -hmm. You've hired them. You're paying them money. You get to determine all of that. But as you make asks from your team, I think that there's a, a couple of things that you should process through. So first of all, like, do you give any thought to how long what you're asking for will take? Mm-hmm. Like, do you have any? And I think um, as a, an organizational leader, you probably have to ask for things. You don't have any clue. Like, you know, well, I need this video by Sunday. Do you know that you just told that person that they can't go to their daughter's birthday party because it's Friday afternoon? Right. And there's barely enough hours left between now and Sunday. To, like, do you know that? Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that there is never a place where you need to make that ask depending on, but I'm just here to tell you not just because you're the lead pastor, not everything you think and say and believe is straight from the Lord. Mm-hmm. Like that, like, like, it just isn't. And so just because you had an idea, maybe that video can go out the following week, or maybe it doesn't need to be a video at all. Maybe it can be a live testimony or, I mean, there's all kinds of ways to think through that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also think, you know, with some of these large demands, um, do you actually need them? Like, yeah. are you going to use them? If you've got, uh, you know, team of admin people, you know, Hey, run this report or, you know, put together these results or yeah. I want to analyze, like, here's the question. Do you know for sure you're even going to use that? Are you going to open the file when it's received? What are you going to use it for? And again, asking the question, um, how long is this going to take? Like, what what am I going to do here? Uh, What am I going to use this for? What is it going to inform? And even asking the question, like, as you say, like, man, could I get a list of this and that? And before you walk away, ask the question, any idea what? what I've just asked, yeah. like how long would like, it take for yeah, you to, to get this? Because because if you just have like a hunch yeah. or a, a wild hair or just you're just curious about something and somebody replies and says, well, it's going to be about six to eight hours if, you know, and, and again, think through even the stewardship, you know, do the math in your head on their salary or their hourly rate and what you're using tithe dollars to get this accomplished with yep. and, and determine like, do I need the answer to this question or is it just like to satiate some mm-hmm. curiosity? Yeah. One thing I'm really, really personally thankful for is, you know, I didn't go like the traditional route of I went to Bible college and then seminary and then I became a, you know, and then I planted a church. I got to serve in so many, like mm. in those, you and I had a few years where we were living in different states, so yeah. we weren't serving in the same church. We were on a break. We were on a break, yeah. relationally and ministry-wise. Yeah. But I was working, I got hired as a worship pastor in another church, um, and had the opportunity to do so many different things. So mm-hmm. was responsible for setup. And then at one point was, over, in addition to all those things, overseeing children's ministry mm-hmm. and doing 
you know, premarital counseling and serving in, in many ways as like an associate and or executive pastor sure. to the lead pastor at the time. And what I'm grateful for in that is that it gave me a sense of like what all of these different roles have to do. The one, mm-hmm. one thing I have no experience in that I do have to be careful of is a lot of, like anything to do with financials. Sure. And I do think a lot of pastors just think like, <clears throat> wasn't there just a button that you click and it just prints yeah. off? Exa- and you're like, well, no, you just made up a question in your head. It's a bunch of work that right. goes into getting that all collected and together. Sure. But I would say the less, if you are a pastor, the less experience you have in like a, a myriad of different ministry roles, mm-hmm. the more disciplined you need to be in asking people, hey, how long would it take for you to do this? How big of an, I don't know, admittedly, like I did get edit video and do all So I know like that stuff's not quick. Right. Like everything takes quite a bit of time. Sure. But if you don't have experience actually doing that yourself, you have no idea. So at least know that you don't know and ask good questions to make sure that you're not making unrealistic asks. And don't take advantage of the fact that you have somebody full time. You know, if you were in a situation where someone had the ability to invoice you for the work, which uh, depending on your level of like subscription at my XP, you might be, you Mm -hmm. know, so if you're a bookkeeping only client and you ask for this and that and the other thing, like we're happy to do that. I even have a, um, we'll handle it rate and, and all of that. However, as I get that question, I'll reply and say, ah, so happy to do that. Here's what it's going to cost. A good chunk of the time, I have someone say, ah, no, don't worry about it. Yeah. Because, and I think that if you interact with your team, understanding like that kind of reality and, and the value of a full-time person is you don't necessarily have to, mm-hmm. but that isn't a great best practice. I think it's really good to think through if I were going to pay for this, you know, by the hour or pay for this by the project, mm-hmm. like, is it worth that investment? Because yeah. I'm going to trust that the person that I've hired already is doing a faithful job working really hard. And this is an additional thing they need to take care of. Yeah. It's good. Really good. All right. Here's the last one. Uh, this is one that I have mm. two two pointed experiences with that mm-hmm. I didn't love. Mm. Uh, fifth sign that you are a frustrating leader is that you lead from a place of instability. Mm. And here's what I mean by that. Uh, in essence, it means you don't know who you are yep. and you don't know who God has called your church to be. Totally. And so when that is the case, then you are the type of leader where your your ministry philosophy changes with every book you read. Mm-hmm. I can hear the amens from so many people that have had, like, it's just <laughs> epidemic, man. Every book you read, every conference you attend, oh, you, man. you go to lunch with like another pastor in town, you hear what God's doing there and you're like, well, that's what I'm if doing now. If you take now. a retreat day. All of that, all those things. Is that one directed at me? No, not necessarily. It just like, (laughs) I just knew, especially when we were both full time at like at Redemption, for Uh example, if you took a retreat day, I thought, oh man, he's coming back with work for me. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. But I think, I mean, I do think that as I've gotten older Mm -hmm. and more clear on who I am and on who, uh, the the type of ministry I think God has called me to do, those shifts and changes happen less and less. They're incremental. Whereas I'm talking about, like I've literally served with someone that was like, I could tell what the next year was going to hold based on the stack of books sitting on his desk Mm -hmm. where you're like, okay, well now we are a missional church or now we're going to be like a small group cell ministry church, or now we're going to be, and it was just these huge shifts that took place. And it's really, really frustrating because you feel like I'm trying, mm. I got like, I got hired to do one type of job. Now you've totally changed the job. Sure. And that's just, 
miserable to do yeah. to people. And I think that there's nothing wrong with being inspired by a conference. By sure. a, otherwise, why are you doing it? Why are you going to it? However, allow those people to speak into it. Because as much as your question, am I talking about you? Yeah, sometimes. But it was never a mandate. Mm-hmm. Like, regardless yeah. of what season of ministry we were talking about. I mean, here's an example. Um, I think this was true of most pastors who watched it. But once upon a time, the most, like, magical story of what happened to a church was what happened at Elevation Church. Oh yeah. And they did their sort Helicopter of behind yeah, yeah. They did their behind the scenes thing mm-hmm. and it was like that was the 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 moment. Mm-hmm. He decided to empty the bank account, yeah. do an helicopter egg drop, thousands of people showed up and it's never been the same again. Yeah. They were like a couple hundred, thousands showed up and and I think most pastors uh thought let's do a helicopter egg drop. Mm-hmm. I know some who actually executed it. Mm-hmm. Didn't get the same results because that was like a Holy Spirit thing that happened there. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean you get the same thing as well. Mm-hmm. But that was an idea that crossed your mind mm-hmm. that we had an opportunity to interact about. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is important. So mm-hmm. it's not to say you can't come excited and all. I mean, because again, if if you don't leave a conference inspired, then that conference putter on her needs to get a new job. Yeah. Or that church should stop doing conferences. If you're just like napping, then just take some time off and stay at home. Mm -hmm. So I get, I get that idea of being excited and passionate. I mean, I remember like one of the first times we went to Disney, Mm -hmm. I came back and wanted all of our guest services people to wave at people as they arrived. (laughs) Because as you walk up to the Disney, like ticket styles, everyone waves at you. And I thought that was amazing. And I came back and pitched everyone on it. I have never had such a horrible, response to any idea in my life as mm-hmm. asking our guest services people to wave as people drove yeah. up. That, yeah. that didn't work out. Yep. Uh, and so you have to be open-minded with the fact of a couple of things. One, um, it might not be the right thing for your church. And two, you also have to come back from those books and those conferences recognizing if you didn't take your whole team with you, you are excited about something that they probably worked extra to cover what you yep. left behind. So they're not a great point. real jacked about all of the excitement you come yeah. back with because they're a little tired. Yeah, the more you can have those experiences together, yeah. the more it allows for like a collective stirring right. and then you don't have to work so hard to get buy-in. Yep. But what I will say is this, is, this isn't this is something legitimately that I've started to pray when I'm getting ready to sit with you and to mm-hmm. talk about some idea that I have. Yeah. I prayed, this happened two weeks ago. I prayed like, Lord, help me to be open mm. to the way that Tyler is going to take what is my initial thought and idea. And he's going to want to speak into it, poke it, prod it, and it'll, it's going to change into something else. But there's, I have the benefit of us being together for as long as we have is sure. I, I have a long history to go, but the idea that comes out on the end is going to be the better idea. Mm. And sure enough, I brought that idea and it, 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 it just was like turd in a punch bowl. Didn't go over awesome. For a lot and, of reasons. For a lot it of reasons. It wasn't a bad but, idea. But, but we changed it around yeah. and we came up with something that really did work better than yes. what I was thinking. And it came out of a lack of understanding on my part. Like my initial idea was X and there was all of this stuff around it that I didn't fully understand sure. that you helped. But, but uh, so my point would be, I th- you mentioned this a few minutes ago. There, There is a type of lead pastor that is used to existing with so much 
authority and sway that every idea they have is brilliant. Yeah. And your ideas are not all brilliant. They're not all just from the Lord. No, they're not. You're not Moses coming down from the mountain with the Ten Commandments. You just have like probably a mediocre idea that if you have the humility to submit to others can be a really great one for your church. Sure. But it takes, I think, the self-awareness and the humility to be able to say, like, I need to hold these this with open hands and know that the idea we end up with is going to be different than the one that I bring in. Absolutely. So really, really encourage you to write those five things down, spend some time with them. And then, man, I would say if you have the courage mm-hmm. to sit with some people around you, not just to yeah. do it yourself, but some people on your team and say, hey, you're not going to get in trouble. I'm not going to fight you. I'm not going to say anything. I just want to know, do you see this in me? Because I, I mean, there's traits of this, like we're talking about with this point, there's traits of this in me. Like there are traits of these things in everybody. The question is, are these, you know, are they commonplace and normative in your leadership? And if so, man, especially right now, the clock's ticking on how long you can keep people with you. And a little piece of advice on how you go about that. Yeah. Don't exclusively go to the people who think that you hung the moon. Yeah. Uh, or they're just I, like I think, you in their temperament. Or... Exactly. Because I think um, I think that it's real easy. I think so few people are genuinely interested and looking for feedback. What most people want to hear affirmation. is affirmation yep. in what they think and feel. Yep. And we all know those people that we can call. I know who I can call when I like need somebody to just like go fight for me. Mm-hmm. Like when I just want somebody to just be angry the moment they understand anything other than praise has been said about me they're those people that you know and and sure in those situations where you're trying to process through you want to get their voice as well because there's a reason they feel that way mm-hmm. you know the, you know uh on the other end though you probably have some people in your life that are not like you mm-hmm. are not predisposed to think like you and and they've been honest with you about some ways that you have not been the most awesome ever mm-hmm. like have the courage to sit down with them to at least if not if only mm-hmm. i recognize sometimes it's helpful to sit down with both sides but at least open yourself up to like so here's here's some things i'm thinking do i do this uh all of that yeah yeah i think you're looking for like a critical thinker two mm-hmm. things a critical thinker Number two, who's not afraid of you. Yeah. Because if, or, or reveres you too highly, which yeah. is a form of like, that would be like when the Bible talks about fear God. It's talking about a reverential yeah. fear. And there are people in your life, guarantee, that revere you. Yeah. Like they, you're, you're their pastor. They love you. Yeah. They respect you. Yep. Your word carries so much weight in their life, which is a good, it's not a bad thing at all. Mm-hmm. But when you're looking for really honest feedback about yeah. that, you want to want to have like, cause I've got some people in my life that I love that are not critical thinkers. Sure. You know, they just like, it's just not the way that they're wired. So you want someone that has that combination. They are a critical thinker and they like, you're not precious in their sight. Yep. <laughs> and they will provide you with the best feedback. Absolutely. Good. Yep. Good. Anything else you want to hit? I think we're good. All right. Well, if this is your first time joining us, thanks so much. We really, really appreciate it. And if you've enjoyed this episode, we post a new episode every week, and you can help us uh, get the word out in three ways. You can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can leave a review wherever you listen, and we would love to connect with you on social media. So you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at, at Ryan Hughley. That's H-U-G-U-L-E-Y. And you can find me on the same platforms at, at Tyler Dravitz. That's D-R-E-W-I-T-Z. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Ta-ta for now. Nope. That was a tigger.